Live from London, this is The Breakfast Show with James Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning. It's Wednesday morning and it's James Clark here with your Wednesday morning breakfast show. Wow. <laughs> what we have made it. I mean, what a year it's been. 2021. And I'm going out of a bang though this year as I have not one, not two, but six guests on this morning's show. And the plan for it all? Well, let's just have one big rant, shall we? Tune in and talk it out. Live from London. This is The Breakfast Show with James Clark on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Good morning and welcome. It's that time again. It's Wednesday morning and it's breakfast show. With me, James Barr. Very excited to be here and very excited to welcome a lot of amazing guests. And the topic for this today is all about the year 2021. With maybe some education thrown in for good measure. Yes, that's right. We have come to the end. I mean, well. That, that, that sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? Um, we've come to the end of my shows for 2021. I found out um, when talking to uh, Tom yesterday on email or this week on email, at least tracking the days when it's holidays, and it's been 26 shows um, that I've done now, 24 shows. Now, I think this is number 24 or 25. I apologize. There's been 24 or 25 shows, which um, seems a little bit mad. Uh, I kind of started this back in, gosh. April, May time? Yeah, maybe around that time. And now it's been 24 shows, I believe, which is crazy. And we are coming up to our winter break. So we have a bit of a, uh, a Christmas break here on Teacher Talk Radio. We have got a real special show coming up um, before the new year, though. So do look out for that. A 24-hour um, show, which will be... Uh, mental <laughs> but also very very exciting uh particularly as i say a big hello welcome to anyone who's listening um internationally this morning as well we've had loads of international listeners um join us from from across the world and particularly in america as well and also to our other uh teachers talk radio hosts who are also uh from across the world as well which is amazing one big giant oh should i say the phrase family or is, is that too too cringy I don't know. I'm going to say it one big um, family. But today, uh, I, you're lucky to hear, perhaps, that 
there's so much to go through that there's going to be very little for me to, to discuss because I've got so many guests on today's show and they are all ex uh, amazing um, host special guests that I've had across this year. So I've got Martin Woodward, who's joining us very soon, who's a head teacher. I've got Sharon, who's head of performing arts. I've got Ellie Snow, who's a freelance theatre practitioner. I've got Dr. Nicola Abraham, who's a senior lecturer in applied theatre. I've got Suzanne Few, who's a deputy head in a specialist autism school. And I've got Kyle Rogers, who's an RE teacher in secondary school. So there is so many people. And we are going to be discussing all the important things of 2021. And when I say important, important things, I mean, they vary in importance. But to me, they are all very, very important. And I'm very excited to be welcoming them all onto the show throughout the next hour and a half. This really is uh, the place you want to be. You do not want to be uh, anywhere else today. Um, and of course, throughout today also, there are so many other shows happening. As this is our final day, we've got a jam-packed day full of Podbean uh, shows for you on Teacher Talk Radio. But don't worry if you do miss any of them or think I want to listen back or I want to share a moment. Well, you can do that. You can go on to our website ttradio.org you can go on to spotify you can go on to apple podcast it is endless the things you can get up to uh, to be able to find us but with that i am going to introduce uh, my first guest very very soon and i believe actually i might have i might have two guests joining me early um which is fantastic i'm hoping i can see that martin is there who i know is going to call in for me and i've also got um Sharon, who I can already see, is uh, joined us already. So I'm going to let Sharon in um, and I'm hopefully going to let Martin in. And we're just going to get on with today's show. And we are going to start off with a cracker of a, uh, a topic slash debate. They don't know what's hit them. Let me bring them onto the show here on the Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show. Meet James Clark. And hello, good morning, Martin. And good morning, Sharon. Good morning. How are you, Sharon? I'm fine, thank you, James. Oh, yeah. you're very awake this morning. <laughs> I'm always bouncy. That's it. Thank you so much for joining me, Sharon. How is your day going so far? Very early, I hope. Yeah, just kick the cats out of the bedroom so they don't howl because I've got two rabid <laughs> little Bengals that share oh, my bed. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, they can't you can't escape them. No, that well the, the best thing to do is have them in bed otherwise they sit outside the door scratching and howling. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining. Martin, are you there as well? Hi, good morning. Good morning, Martin. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. The bags are packed. It's the end of term. Um, the sun's not even risen, but I'm excited. Today, fantastic for all the teachers. Big shout out for those finishing far too late. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're finishing really late. It's always a slate where you are. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't know. Literally, it's Christmas Eve in a couple of days, and we're just literally tying off those parties this morning. So, again, big shout out for all of them kids who are just finishing the term. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for making the time to join us. Um, I'm going to start with you, um, Sharon, just a quick kind of introduction. Obviously, you've both been on the show prior. Martin, you, you were here very recently. Um, but kind of a quick introduction about yourself, starting with you, Sharon, and your kind of who you are, your life story, as I say, in a few seconds. Over to you, Sharon. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Sharon, known as Shaz Drama on Twitter. I'm a head of faculty for creative and performing arts at a sixth form college in beautiful Nottingham. Um, I've also done directing and acting in my time and I mess around with all sorts of stuff. I'm a core member for Drama Matters, also do stuff for other drama groups and um, yeah, I just all around mess around with the world. (laughs) Amazing. And uh, Martin, over to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, nice to see you here, uh, Sharon, as well this morning. Uh, so, Martin, I'm head teacher at an all through school uh, in Alderney, which is part of the Bailiwick of Guernsey uh, schools. So, we're kind of a rem- remote island in the Northern Isle of the Channel. Um, school three to 16, and literally one school, and we have all the children from the island who attend. So, huge privilege. Uh, and again, great to be on the show this morning. Great. Thank you very much. Well, thank you both for coming. We're just going to hit the ball rolling. Um, this is possibly one of the <laughs> the most underprepared shows or prepared shows, I don't know, I've ever done uh, because it is so random. What I've told uh, everybody who joined the show today, all the guests, is I've given them a list of random topics that I said we may or may not discuss. I've got a random uh, selection of words or sentences beside me that I'm just going to pick up out of random. And I'm literally then just going to throw it over to either uh, Sharon Martin or, or any of the guests today. So the first one I've pulled out, um, which being very topical, which I'm going to go to you, Sharon. I, I will warn you, some of these have literally nothing to do with education whatsoever. Um, but Sharon, Brussels sprouts, where do we stand? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Brussels sprouts. <laughs> My son's been to the shops twice because I'm injured at the moment, so I'm I'm struggling a bit. I've pulled my hypermobile hip out, um, oh. and I haven't got any yet. But I love Brussels sprouts; they're my favourite vegetable anyway. And I have a big thing. I've had one Christmas dinner, and we had it at college, and I couldn't eat any of the sprouts because they need to go on in October. So mine are going to be very late. I'm going to have to do all sorts of things. I'm going to have to. Um, use a blowtorch on them because they need to be soft and squidgy. They don't <laughs> taste like Brussels sprouts until they're soft and squidgy, and that's the whole point. If you have them sort of raw and al dente, as people like to call them, and do them with all sorts of weird things, they just taste like cabbage. You want a Brussels sprout to have that really acidic tang with it, and it doesn't happen until you've cooked them through and then put loads of butter on them, and then smothered them in gravy. Uh, so that's me and Brussels sprouts. And I could, that's the only bit of the Christmas dinner I like, because I hate currants, I hate raisins, don't like cranberry sauce, not keen on turkey. So that's me and the whole thing. You don't like cranberry sauce? What no. is going on? Um, <laughs> that's I the did... best bit. No, it's, why, why put jam on your dinner? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you put it like that 
Um, I enjoy the fact that there's lots of conversation already happening in the chat regarding um, Sprouts. Um, Teach Fab Physics loves a bit of Sprouts, as does Adam Walton. And Martin, you too. You Sprout fan. Absolutely. You can't beat oh. it. Um, so my, my kind of um, ideal version is, I agree, you've got to cook them uh, until they're absolutely spreadable. Uh, but I actually put them through a sieve. I add a bit of fried off garlic, um, maybe some toasted almonds. And then, yeah, you can just put it, you can just paste it on anything like pate. Um, not so sure the gravy mixed in, uh, but for me, <laughs> definitely garlic and definitely mash them with a bit of cream as well. Oh, no, I can't stand them. But I did have them the other day. I mean, I didn't eat them. I picked the bits out. For the first time ever, I had them with halloumi because it was with cook- a vegetarian was cooking them. So normally I have them with the bacon bits in. Um, but I hate them. It's the one thing that my nana, and still to this day, my mum as well, makes me have one of at Christmas Day. And I, oh, it just tastes vile. Mm. I don't know how you do it, but credit to you both. Um, I agree. Adam Walter said 1989. I agree. No to cranberry. But yes to horseradish. Oh. Nice. Uh, Sharon, horseradish? Not with Christmas dinner. I am a little bit, you know, as a working class girl, I'll eat most things that are put in front to be honest, I will eat most things that are put in front of me, to be honest. And I was one of those kids that was made to fit, made to eat it all, even though I've got that. I'm a bit sort of, um, what's that thing called, arfid, where I, everything has to be, had to be separated into little sections when I was a kid. I was mm-hmm. a weird eater. Yeah. Um, but no, the right things have to be with the right things. So... If you if cranberry sauce is there, I'll try it to be, but not with Christmas dinner. Okay, horseradish if you've got beef, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I like the right things with the right things. No Yorkshire puddings either. That's <gasps> absolutely sinful. Yorkshire puddings go with roast beef. That's it. End of. No, no, I've got. I've never disagreed with people on the show, but this is gonna. I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I mean, Martin, where do you sit on this? I mean, I think Yorkshire should be with any form of roast. Yeah, absolutely. We went up for our Christmas dinner with the staff um, a couple of weeks ago and it was beautiful and we had, I had black bream actually for my, for my main course. And to my delight, when the veggies came out, they served it up with Yorkshire pudding. I mean, how fantastic is that? I mean, they go with anything, Sharon. Come on. No, I don't like those horrible things as well, those big Yorkshire puddings that people just put pile. That's just a mess. You might as well not eat it. I, that is my, uh, honestly, I do have that. I've got misophonia and Alfred, so I'm a little bit weird about mess. So if you uh, put a mess on my plate, I might, I'm not going to eat it. Don't like that. Oh, mess. well. I mean, there's a lot of people here, Adam Walton, 1989, saying that's a travesty. Yorkshire's are required. Teach Fab Physics saying Yorkshire's with all meats. This could, I mean, this is a. Uh, Oh, it's just sad. It's sad. I'm going to move on because I'm just going to get me too much. Um, so let's pick another one randomly out of the hat then, moving straight on to our new one. And the new one that I've got in my hand, um, this one, I guess, is a little bit more related to education, but take it where you want to. Um, trends and fads. So when I say the word trends and fads, um, what kind of comes to mind? I'm going to start, Martin, this time with you. Trends and fads. Um, what, what were you thinking of with that? You know, um, I don't know if it's an age thing, because I think the older you get, the kind of trends and fads go to the window. I'm 
I'm kind of, as you know, I'm here in the Channel Islands. Fashion isn't necessarily hip hop or down with the kids. Um, listen, I go to a jumble sale every Saturday uh, at two o'clock and you can buy any item for 10p. And if you go to the super, super duper kind of corner at the, at the village hall, you can get something for 50p and it might have something like Primark as a label. So for me, trends and fads, oh, I'm a bit cringy. My, my children will be saying, Dad, that's so embarrassing. You know, I don't even know, James. What, 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 is, <laughs> what is a fad? What, what, is, what is trendy anymore? I mean, I've, I was brought up in the 70s and 80s, you know, where you had literally skin-tight jeans with those white, white piping down the side. And, you know, they were horrendous, particularly if you'd had a, a difficult night uh, the night before uh, and you need to get those trousers off pretty quick. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, you're asking the wrong person. Sharon, I'm sure Sharon's got lots of ideas. <laughs> Sharon, what do you think? Um, right, okay. So if I hadn't gone into theatre, and actually I think theatre as well needs to be aware of trends and fads. Uh, that's very much part of what we, we look at in the world. But if I hadn't, I would have stayed in retail and I, I have done fashion. And I am, I don't know, any of you that know me will know that I'm massively into fashion. When Nicola comes on, she'll know that. I, I don't buy tat. So I do buy secondhand stuff, but I tend to only buy really good labels that I know are, re, are, are properly, you know, sustainably sourced. Mm -hmm. so, um, but I do mess around with stuff. And even though I'm, you know, no longer young, I, I do like to wear cool clothes. So I like to think about what's happening now. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I'm okay with trends and fads. And I think it helps when you're working with teenagers, particularly. You know, there's nothing worse than um, not understanding what they're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, that, that is important because then you can relate to them. And I'll also say that no teenager will ever argue with a woman in a Vivian Westwood suit. <laughs> That's my biggest tip. And Doc Martin, in a Vivian Westwood suit, you're already on a winner when you walk into the room. Don't spend £3,000 on a course about presentation skills. I can do that for you. Walk in that suit, owning it, bossing it in the right gear, and you're, you're already on a winner. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. I mean, we got we got two ends there. We've got our our ten p, which I'm shocked that you get saying ten p. I'm quite. Maybe I need to come to Channel Islands just for that, Martin. Um, yeah. <laughs> your ten p tat and your Vivian Westwood. Uh, love it. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's let's look at something else, and I'm even straight onto the next one. The next one I've got in my hand here. Um, let's have a look at this one, which is, and this one might be a bit long. One that I picked up. Uh, I'm going to say it, and I don't mean to um, potentially trigger anyone this early in the morning, but the one I picked up is um, Gavin Williams. Uh, oh, where should we start with this? Sharon, Gavin Williams. I'm not going to swear on radio. <laughs> uh, what kind of comes to mind that you can say? Um, it, well, it is, you know, we talked about tap, didn't we? So I can use that word. He's tapped. He's Absolutely. a tapped person. No, I mean, come on. What is he all about? I'm just fed up of people poking their nose into things that they know nothing about. And he's one of those. And he's made, made such a mess of everything, didn't he? 
I mean, you know, what, what, how are we going to run this system while we've got education in and out? But also, he's a real, he's really, really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> that's the bit as well. He's just irritating. You know what we say in Nottingham when someone's really irritated? You'd never get fed up a slap in their face. <laughs> With your Vivian, Vivian Westwood suit on, Sharon. Yeah, that's right. Like, you know, working class girl wears Vivian Westwood. And <laughs> also, yeah, not prepared to take on the challenge. That would be it. I'd be on the front row if we had a Gavin Williams face slapping contest. And <laughs> um, what do you think about, um, I mean, let's move on to talk about that brief before we move on to you, Martin. I mean, how were the exam side of it all when that fiasco kicked off kind of for you on the front line as a teacher? Oh, my word. So, I mean, if I may, Gavin Willie, um, who is he? Anyway, yeah, um, in terms of results um, and exam prep and you know what, I it was a really challenging time. But what we did get out of it and what I absolutely herald uh, every teacher and an educationalist across the land is actually we know what we're talking about. So actually when we we decided what pieces of evidence we were going to pull in and yes, it was tough for the kids, it was tough for the staff. There was a lot of long nights and early mornings and pulling that data together, deciding the formula as to how we were going to make it fair. But actually, you know, we know our kids so well across our schools. And actually, I think it was a really fair a fair way in a very difficult, challenging time. I'm not advocating no exams, let's scrap them, let's kind of go to just teacher assessment. But, you know, I think we did our kids proud. And not only in year one, but actually we did it again in the last kind of, uh, the last exam round. It's tough. Um, but actually, I think, if I can say, I think we did a good job and we didn't actually let the kids down. I don't know, again, what Sharon would think, but, you know, for me, you know, the kids are at the heart of everything we do and I'm sure every teacher agonised over what assessments they kind of considered and put forward. And, um, yeah, let's see what this year brings. And how was that, that pressure for you, Martin, as a sort of head teacher, having to tick off and agree and sign off and send off the final you know, results for everybody. No I think pressure. it's a really, yeah, really nervous time. I think, I think the the challenge was, and, and it was taking the staff with me in terms of making sure there was absolute clarity uh, and parity across every subject that, um, that we double check, we triple check, we have three sets of eyes on the, on the grades going in. And it's a little bit like, you know, when you press that red button, you know, mm. actually there's no going back. Um, my exams officer, my deputy head and myself, we were just all there, the grades were in, okay, let's press the red button. And, you know, we kind of, we, yeah, we definitely put the kettle on after that. <laughs> put your feet up. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, Sharon, what about you on the other end of it all, kind of, you know, doing those grades and assessing those young people? Well, yeah, I was doing both because obviously as a head of faculty, I look after English, mm. music and all of those subjects as well. So I had quite a lot to do in terms of making sure that everything was rigorous. However, to be honest with you, I mean, I can talk particularly from drama. We were totally organised. There was no faffing. I just did what I would normally do in a normal year, believe it or not. The kids oh, all did wow. exactly the same things. It's just that we didn't have these 
sorry, I know it's controversial for some, but we didn't have that sitting in a, a room scribbling for what is in my subject four and three quarter hours at the end. We mm. assessed all their practicals in the same way. We marked all the coursework in the same way. And what we did with the set tech, we did timed assessments, mm. um, that, that, which we would have normally done. So it was no fact. It was a lot easier, and I wish it was happening again this year because we teach the three set techs in the first year, and I want to examine them then like we used to with the old AS system, and then I'm okay to get on with the next step without having to go backwards all the time. It just seems like a ridiculous faff to me. If you sequence a course properly, you mm. should, like in universities, assess it when you've taught it. Not waiting for two years. That's Michael Gove's ridiculous fantasy because he went to Oxford and thinks that that's what you should do. You should sit shed loads of exams. Examine them when you've taught them. I'm not against exams per se, but why do them at the end of a course? And if you do, if we did that every year, whenever we've got a big slip-up like this, um, you're ready. So I'd already done those assessments um, in year 12, so I didn't have to redo them in year 13 because I taught them and assessed them at the time I did them. So it was a breeze for me. I got the two practicals to do. Well, hey! <laughs> Great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, amazing. And I mean, just go through some of these comments that have come through while I've been chatting. Um, Leanna's saying, Sharon, I want to come shopping with you for my teacher cupboard. Uh, Adam Walton, 1989, I think in response to a question, said about um, Gavin Williams, the giver of stress. Um, loads of people liking the show and don't forget you can like the show uh, and share the show uh, throughout it so please do i'm going to move on to one uh, more um that i'm going to very quickly do which is here we go i picked up oh i like this one uh, most inspirational student okay so i want you to think about for your year of 2021 who has been your most inspirational student you can change the name if you want to or say the real name we won't know either way or call student a however you prefer to um but most inspirational student who has that been for you and the reason that i mean uh let's go sharon do you take this one first that is such an evil question i'm sorry <laughs> uh, that's what i'm here for I often leave the room and we, we often give ourselves a big clap because all of my students have inspired me. They've inspired me more than anything during this pandemic because they're awesome and brilliant and we've done better things than we would have ever done. We've learned so much together. But what I think, and I think there's been a couple of these actually, um, I've got students whose first language isn't English and some of them they, they come in and I've heard other teachers go, oh, they won't cope with drama because uh, my first language isn't English. I had a girl this year who was actually, um, she was a migrant um, from, um, I can um, not, I can tell you where she, she came from, but it, she came from, she was from Latvia. And we went to see um, Gecko's, the wedding. And there's a scene in that with a migrant family travelling and I could see her in the audience sobbing. And that inspired her a lot. And that inspired me then to put a group of students together whose first language isn't English, including her. And we've done a piece looking at using their first languages in the piece as well as English. And it's helped their English to improve. And particularly this student who is now applying for drama school, 
And not only did she uh, love the show and got to meet Amit, because obviously I, I know Amit and I told him her story, uh, but she also bought tickets to take her mother and her sister the following day to see that show again. So that's the power of theatre as well, but also the power of looking at theatre and the power of theatre to change lives. So not only did she inspire me to, to keep going with this thing, that you don't just have to perform in English because we there are many languages in theatre, but that you can also, um, you know, inspire their lives to make a difference. There you go. Amazing. That's, yeah, amazing story. I mean, Doc, Dr. Nicola from Nikki there saying amazing story in the chat as well. Um, and do share it at your most inspirational students or most inspirational person um, via the chat or let us know on Twitter, hashtag TT Radio or at TT um, Radio 2021. Uh, Martin, what about you then? What is, who has been your, and I mean, this, this must be very difficult for you, particularly given that you've got an all through school, you know, thousands of students that you, you look mm-hmm. after, but where would you yeah. go with that question? Again, I, I agree with Sharon. Oh, it's so difficult um, because everybody's so unique. And and come at actually, you know, life and education with a whole plethora of, um, you know, circumstances, home life, situations. But for me, um, two people stand out particularly in our in our kind of upper age group. I'm not going to kind of highlight them too much, but... Two young people, one particularly because um, she's really embraced kind of that growth mindset, particularly over uh, Key Stage 3, and now she's actually in the final year. And, you know, what's really heartening for me is, you know, you, you stand up and you're a role model, you hope you are, and you're doing all the right things, and you say, you know, you need to get out there, you need to, to go for a walk, uh, put your headphones on, find your space, get in the moment. Uh, and she's actually really took that on board. And, you know, often when I'm out cycling uh, quite early in the morning, I can see her doing exactly that, you know, just taking a walk, uh, taking in the environment, getting ready for school. Uh, and really, again, having taught this person GCC history, um, just seeing the hard work and the tenacity and, and that, again, that can-do mentality. And then there's a young gentleman who uh, he's just had his mock results back. And again, he switched courses midway through. He kind of changed from PE to business studies. Um, a little bit too late, if I might say, but actually his grade, his mock grade was amazing. Uh, and again, I think it's just through modeling good behaviors, you know, um, giving them quiet time in the library to read during tutor time, uh, opening up um, part of the school at lunchtime for year 11s to put the kettle on, have a, have a hot chocolate, you know, just de-stress. And I think Something that the COVID has taught me and, and being in lockdown is that actually be kind. You know, young people are our future, the, you know, the, the adults going forward. And actually, we need to model what actually we would like to do. And so for me, those young people are just a constant inspiration to me. Amazing. I mean, both absolutely incredible example stories there. Um, I did my typical thing, which I, I think is a drama thing because I, I do it all the time where I... I don't lie, but yeah, I call it drama time quite often when you say, oh, just five minutes, and you actually mean like 25 minutes or something like that. I don't know if do you do that, Sharon, or is that just a me thing? Um, it depends what I'm, uh, no, I'm actually quite good at that. Um, I watched <laughs> someone do some applied theatre, which will apply, appeal to uh, Nicola and yourself, and 
she did a great thing where you, where you actually use music to stop. Mm. It depends what activity you're doing. Because, to be honest, some activities need to be short to make them happen. And that's how I keep revising initially. Later on, I just let them get on with it once I've got them into routines. So, yeah, I can be pretty... It depends what I'm doing, but I can be pretty strict on timing because I think you need to learn the discipline of getting things done within time. Otherwise, you can faff around forever. And I'm a faffer. So, you know, <laughs> I, I won't allow... I have to realise what how my brain works and stop myself fussing and stop the students fussing. So, yeah, early discipline to get things at the time and done, and then I let them work it out for themselves. I'm very much about that. Once you've actually put some stuff into, you know, into a process, now you work it out. It's your time. You manage it. So it works for both things. It helps with independent learning skills as well if you teach them about timings. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to hate me because I'm now going to, I'm going to lie. I said I have one more question. I've got another one for you. <laughs> That's because I've just pulled out this one. I think this, I didn't realise this was a controversial subject until I had this conversation with my housemate when we were decorating the Christmas tree. So um, I'm going to give you uh, one more before I know lots of you have uh, things to get onto. And that is, I've pulled out tinsel. Um, which one, how do you feel about tinsel um sharon i'm gonna start with you oh the t word again <coughs> no never does it come near me i am oh, really? bar humbug i'm not christmassy really apart from brussels sprouts my tree isn't up yet don't have tinsel on it anyway it's just cat toy and can be very dangerous to them so as you can probably realize i'm a bit of an animal freak as well uh, so tinsel, horrible, cheap, nasty tat. It's not good for the environment. It's vile. I'm using, I use Christmas decorations that came from my Christmas tree when I was a kid. So I don't, I'm not into all that. You can, you can probably get what I'm all about as a person when I say tinsel's tat. But it's so pretty, Sharon. No, it's not. Yeah, no, oh, it's, it is. it's shimmery. It's glittery. Oh, it's fabulous. No, so are some of my dresses. I, I, I've got, you know, I'd rather sort of hang some of my pretty shoes on the tree. No, I've got... No. <laughs> Please tell me, Sharon, you have some of your shoes on your tree. I, I don't, but, I, but rather than tinsel, that's what would happen. No, I never will tinsel ever, ever be part of my life. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, I mean, we've got a comment here from Elizabeth who says tinsel is the best thing ever. Tinsel and exercise combined is just it's beautiful. But agree, tinsel sucks to the environment. Um, Martin, where do you stand on the tinsel? Because I love it. OK, well, Sharon, you're not going to like me. Um, <laughs> this is this is quite controversial. So if any of my school colleagues are listening, I'm really sorry to let you down. But we've got Plastic uh, Free School uh, Award. And so we don't really do tinsel. But actually, um, my boy um, uh, was dancing around the kitchen the other day. Um, he's back in the UK. And he had literally like a, like a boa. He was kind of... Uh, prancing around and singing and decorating the tree. Sharon, I love it. I absolutely love it. And yes, we do have all of those traditions from 
you know, primary school and all the things go on the tree and all the kind of memorabilia, uh, hanging spoons and all sorts. It, you know, it's a real dull boy tree. Um, so only Phil's and horses come to mind. I love tinsel. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad there's, there's a few of us that love it, but I, I do get your point, Sharon. But I am intrigued. What what is what decorations do you have? I know you're not a massive fan of Christmas, but you said you've got a few from your childhood. What is, if I stepped into the House of Sharon, and a bit like the House of Fraser, but we're going to call it the House of Sharon. If I stepped into the House of Sharon, what kind of excitement Christmas would I see? Not very much. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm really not into it. Um, well, there will be a tree going up within the next couple of days, and it'll be very simple, just a tree with a few things on it, mostly wooden and a few old baubles, and uh, that's it, really. And I've got, I put like a, a thing, like a wreath thing around the candle that I put on the Christmas table, and that's it. I don't, I mean, there'll be just me and my son, uh, I don't, I've not had family Christmas for years and years and years. Uh, my family sort of all migrated to all different places. And I haven't really done it since. My, I played at it when my kids were little. But I used to do all sorts of things like make stencils. And we used to make things. I know I sound like a hippie, which I probably am. But I wanted my kids to grow up not being massive consumers of tat. <laughs> don't don't go to Martin's house. He's got all the stuff to tat. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, thank you uh, so much, uh, Martin and Sharon. We, I can't believe that we've been online nearly now about forty minutes just chatting everything from Brussels sprouts to to tat and everything else. Uh, I'm just going to play very shortly uh, the news for everybody that we've got and, and a short word from our sponsors and also the um, tech briefing um for you all but just say a, a massive massive thank you to, to martin and sharon martin i know you've got to get ready to head off to school which starts in about 20 minutes i think is that right that's right yeah we've got farewells to to staff and before the children arrive so lovely to join you james and great to meet you sharon online and uh, happy christmas everybody thank you very much and very very quickly before you before you both um go and, and obviously feel free to, to stay in the chat and join in with the rest of the conversation with the guests. And where can people reach out to you and find you? Sharon, we'll start with you. Um, you can find me on at Shaz Drama on Twitter. That's where I hang out sometimes. <laughs> Amazing. And Martin? Yeah, if you just Google Sentan School Alderney, um, you can see the website. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's Winward uh, underscore Martin. And um, yeah, be great, great to meet you online. Thank you very much, both of you. And very, very soon I'll be sure joined by, and I know uh, Suzanne's been waiting to come in, but we've been rattling on about very important things such as tinsel and, and sprouts. Um, so Suzanne Few is going to be joining me as a deputy head in a um, specialist school for young people with autism and also going to be joined by Dr. Nicola Abraham. But before all that, here is the news for you all. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wonder Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, 
Little Wendell Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The program offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readings from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewonderlettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the SSTA Union is calling for a delayed opening for schools after the Christmas holidays because of the Omicron variant. Seamus Searson, General Secretary of the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association, said, If the numbers keep going up, and it looks like that is going to be the case for some time to come, then we are not going to be in a fit state to reopen schools as normal in January. We're already hearing of schools that are not fully staffed and parents are keeping their kids off to ensure they don't catch COVID in the run-up to Christmas. The idea that we need to keep schools open at all costs just doesn't add up. Delaying the start of the new term would give teachers more time to prepare for mitigation measures. A Scottish Government spokesman said, the Scottish Government is not considering school closures. As the First Minister has made clear, protecting the education of children and young people remains a top priority. England, a teaching union, has warned of a perfect storm of Omicron-related absences. Following Nadim Saawi's letter to school leaders, urging them to encourage ex-teachers back to the classroom. General Secretary of the NAS UWT, Dr Patrick Roach, said, far more action is needed to improve the current market for supply teachers, which is nothing short of a national scandal. The government must address the delays with the DBS clearances and meet the costs of DBS certification so those teachers who do return to the profession are not left paying the bill. Dr Roach said that without guarantees from the government on teachers' pay and working conditions, the teaching supply crisis will continue for some time to come. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
Chrome versus Edge. Let the battle commence. On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening reader view. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar. By typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open reader view in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to immersive reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font, and text width on the screen. But they differ in background color features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers eight background slash contrast colors, four light and four dark, Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader, round four, editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point, Chrome Reader, round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point, Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of five, three or one line, locking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score. Winning with four points to two after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two-Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, welcome back to Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with me, James Clark, and my six uh, amazing guests. We've already had Sharon and Martin discussing Brussels sprouts, Tinsel, Gavin Williams, and also their most inspirational students. I'm going to welcome into the studio two more guests who are joining us, and Sharon is sticking around, which is amazing. So be sure to join in the conversation and tune in and talk it out. Don't forget you can get involved by the Podbeam app, by the chat function, or indeed on Twitter. All you need to do is search at TT Radio 2021. Hashtag TT Radio, or indeed you find me at JAMCLAR96. And don't forget to give us a bit of love and share the show, engage with us, get the word out there. 
you can catch up on all our shows. If you are just joining us now and want to listen back, you can indeed catch up uh, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, ttradio.org. The options are endless. Uh, but with that, I do believe now I've got my two next guests. I'm running very, very behind. So I'm going to have to apologise to um, Suzanne if you are there. Suzanne, hello. Hello, James. Good morning. Morning. I've kept you waiting only 20 minutes. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. It was nice. I managed to eat my breakfast and have a cup of tea. So thank you for the delay. Oh, I did it on purpose. Don't worry. And, uh, <laughs> and Nikki, are you also there? Good morning, James. Good morning, everybody. I'm here. How are you, Nikki? I'm very good. Thanks. Very excited for your show. Oh, wow. It's, it's the highlight of my day. That's it. It's the first, best part of my day so far. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> um, and so we've got to do, both of you have been on the show previously, and I both know you very, very well, but lots of people uh, may not know who you are on the show. So um, to start with Suzanne, please. Suzanne, could you let us know um, a little bit about you, your, your life, your education life, all of that um, in kind of a few seconds? Wow. Um, I'm a deputy head at a school for complex needs. It's a therapeutic school. Um primarily autism and PDA is my work life. I'm um, heavily involved in scouting um, with a passion for diversity and inclusion. Um, and I'm quite frankly, Disney eel mad. Um, so there you go. If you wanted it in three seconds, that's it. That's impressive. I didn't actually know that one about the Disney side of it. So there we go. I've learned something too. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, and, and Nikki, what about you? Your life in brief, please. Uh, hello everybody I'll try um, normally I'm a senior lecturer in applied theatre practices at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama but at the moment I'm seconded to the NHS and we're using applied theatre with patients living with dementia with our students on placement in Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust I can see one of our students uh, Beth is in the chat there uh, who's been joining us this term and strange fact um, I'm a bit scared of Brussels sprouts because my niece throws them at me every Christmas dinner every year <laughs> It, it's a controversial subject that we did discuss was the whole thing about sprouts but um just to explain uh, everything you have just joined us on today's show we are literally putting things randomly from beside the round topics none of my guests really know massively what we're going to discuss they've had rough ideas but they don't know what order it's going to come or what ones I might add in um and i also know that sharon is still there as well so sharon um, do feel free to join the conversation at any point too um the first one i'm going to put out for you two is um, looking at, oh, my desktop is changed. There we go. Is, oh, here we go. Here's a good one. TikTok. Okay, so TikTok is the first one I've pulled up. Um, Nikki, I think I'm going to go to you first on this because I know you love a bit of tech. You love a bit of playing around with things. And I know TikTok was, was a new thing to you this year. Uh, what comes to mind when we say that? Where are you on TikTok? You made me feel so old that it's a new thing to me this year. Thanks, James. <laughs> Um, I try. I've got two things that come to mind. Firstly, it's your video that you did with your, I think it was your year 10s, not sure, um, it's, which has gone viral, I believe. Yes, year, I did one with year 11. I, they made me do one at the end of term and it's got like 19.4k views. I think I just need <laughs> to change my career. This is it. <laughs> there you go. It could be a new calling for you, TikTok star. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's been a really useful, uh, I don't like to call it a tool because that makes me sound boring with it, but we've been using it for um, escape rooms to look at internet safety. We were working with 
um, International Community School in Paddington to look at Internet Safety Day. And we created an escape room online to look at that. And one of the things we did is look at catfishing. And we're able to create uh, a profile for one of the characters using TikTok um, and the different devices. But I have to say, I'm not the whiz on that. That was one of our uh, students um, who was with us at the time on placement and created an amazing array of different um, clues for students to look through. Um, but they were big fans of TikTok and really surprised that we'd used it. So that gave me a little bit of street cred, I feel. <laughs> You're so cool, Nikki. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, uh, what about you, Suzanne? Where do you, and I know you've also got um, a daughters as well. So kind of where do you stand? What comes to mind when you hear the word TikTok? Yeah, um, generally two children. Well, yeah, one's um, uh, an adult now. But yeah, I have two children. Um, who do a lot of laughing, giggling and watching TikTok um, and pretty much telling mum she's uncool because she doesn't know what um, they're talking about. Um, so, yeah, it, it's obviously something that um, my girls really enjoy. Um, my experience of it at work is generally um, is a negative, unfortunately, where... Um, you know, we've had a lot of issues this year and I'm going on that dull and boring um, rant, but with um, Squid Game and mm. um, trying to prevent access, you know, we've got children from 6 to 14 in the school um, and parents have set all the parental locks, but TikTok has allowed children a way round it um, and a way in. Um, so, yeah, been a bit of a headache, actually. So yeah, I'm no. I'm like, a I, number I, one fan, I'm afraid. That's no, I mean, controversial. No, I, I think it. I think it's great, and I think actually that's that's two sides of it there. And, and I mean, you've brought that one up, so let's let's now move on to Squid Game then. Um, both personally and perhaps in our sort of education backgrounds as well, where we kind of stand with that. Um, I mean, Sharon's come in there as well. Love using it with my students. We used it a lot. We're responding to um, Cold War Steve, um, which sounds amazing. And I'm going to come to you um, live for this one in a moment, Sharon, as well, about Squid Game and how that has or hasn't impacted your school. I'm going to start, though, with you, Suzanne. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, my school, we're, we're dealing with young people that have um, a lot experienced significant trauma um, and and then you know, autism and, and the taking of things, literally, um, they're highly vulnerable. Um, and so something like Squid Game that becomes quite, um, I'd say, like a, a following it is quite dangerous for them because they um, have great belief in everything being real and literal and what's going to happen. So, um, And then we've got parents that just want their children to um, be similar to to others so they're, they're buying them squid game masks but not necessarily having the understanding then we've got children trying to bring them in and it isn't you know it's not a simple case of just pop that in your bag um you know we're we're going into incident when we say they can't be in so it's had a significant impact we've had to send out quite a bit of information to parents research it um and find out so um yeah, it's it's certainly, and I think you know the power of social media has allowed six, eight year olds to have a clue what it's about and that it exists. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, like you say, that it's it's the other side of it of actually when you're dealing with, as you put, they you know vulnerable young people, 
it, it can be I mean and also it comes across very real and if you're working with people who take things a lot more literally I mean it is quite scary when you look at it in that sense I mean I, on the flip side I absolutely loved the show I thought it was a great show but and it was really interesting in the way that it was done but I do also see your point fully um Nikki I'm gonna go to you and then I'm also gonna go to Sharon afterwards looking at kind of I guess we're going more into what we talked about earlier, which is trends and fads and social media and all of those things. Now, I know, Nikki, you've used social media massively um, in kind of lots of work that you've done. So where do you stand with social media generally? And also, have you watched Squid Game yet? I know you've got a lot to catch up on on Netflix. Where are you with it? Um. I haven't watched it. Sorry. Um, I I've thought I might try and watch it, but I'm not really great with really violent shows. And that's all I've heard about it. But I know that um, a lot of our student team, the students who've been on placement who are undergrad and postgrad, so that older age group anyway, have been watching it. And I feel really bad because normally I try and keep up with what they're watching. So I understand some of the references they're making. But I've had to rely on my project partner, Vic, um, in the dementia care team, who's watched all of it and is a big fan, uh, to help me with that because I don't know what the references are still. And it's on my list, but I'm not great with stuff that's that um, violent. As you know, James, I'm more of a rom-com <laughs> fan. Um, <laughs> but but I, I need to watch it. I feel like it's such a big thing that I, I can't avoid it much longer. Um, <laughs> I might have to just try and stomach it and see if I can uh, watch through it. The concept sounds really interesting, though. Um, and you asked about social media too. Um, mm. What would what, what be most useful for me to talk about for that? Oh, go wild, Nikki. Whatever comes to mind when you hear social media. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, when I'm using it, it's it's pretty much always, probably maybe like 98% for, for work, for sharing uh, our projects. Um, for us, we're funded by Research England and the Office for Students. So a big part of our project is knowledge exchange and finding ways to shout out about the brilliant work that our students are doing, um, about um, recognition that we're getting. Um, and also just to, to share what we're learning all the time is really useful. Um, so it's a great platform for that. Um, of course, it can be massively harmful as well. And there's so many sides to social media. I don't feel qualified to talk about all of them. But um, but the way that we use it is to share what we're learning. And we're learning so much all the time. It's a really fast way to share information um, and share it with others who are also wondering, how do you do um, creative work in a care home remotely, safely, and still make sure it's person-centered, engaging for um, older adults living with dementia as well as in acute hospital settings so it's a really useful way to share that knowledge with people who want to, to know that information right now so we can support people Amazing and just before I go to, to Sharon and ask I can see Sharon put a, a great example there of using TikTok with students and I would love to hear more about that but I'm going to before I go to Sharon I'm going to give you a bit of a heads up uh, Nikki and Suzanne on the next question or word that I've pulled out um, and that is, I would like you to describe your year in five words or less. So I'm going to give you a bit of time to prep that. Five words or less. Tell me your year in five words. Um, but Sharon, if I may go to you first, um, tell me more about this way you've been using TikTok or using social media or thinking kind of your work. And um, yeah. part of it is I look at... Um, the concept of living newspaper theatre amongst other things so <clears throat> it's getting students to respond to stimulus or to ideas or to anything by using whatever is current in terms of media so obviously social media comes 
into that. So, yeah, they've made TikToks and we've done all sorts of things. Um, I mean, with the Squid Game thing, interestingly, for years and years, we've used masks in theatre anyway. And we also do some te we teach some stage combat. Mm. So we do get a bit gruesome and violent in the drama in drama anyway. You know, teaching kids how to do authentic slaps and punches on stage and things like that, and mask work. So, you know, in a postmodern context, I think theatre has always used what's out there anyway to to get its message across, and it works very much with young people. My students haven't been that wild about it. I do think it appeals more to younger students. Um. But but we have used you know we do use social media a lot to um, to share some of the stuff that we're doing with with our work because you know we do try to be quite innovative and creative even though we're a sixth form college and we're bound by a curriculum we um, use that curriculum how do I put it loosely to play around with what is out there so that students leave us knowing how to play around with all sorts of different forms to get their stories told. That's how I use it. Amazing and, and doing an amazing thing there as well. So thank you very much for sharing that, Sharon. Um, I'm just going to go back now to Nikki first. Five words or less. Describe your year. Oh, thank you, James. It's a bit of a challenge. Um, OK, I've tried to have a balance, but they don't by any means capture the whole year. Uh, here are my five words. The first one is emotional. Um, the second one is challenging. The third one is inspirational. Fourth one is collaborative. And the fifth one, as Vic would always say, is spontaneous. Ooh, nice. Well done. I'm impressed. Well done. <laughs> um, and Suzanne, what about you? Can you do your gear in five words or less? Well, I've actually got six words down and I haven't done all emotions because I decided um, I changed that slightly. Um, so my year is roller coaster, Ofsted, lateral flow, exhausting Scotland. Very nice. And I, I like I like the, the lateral flow. I think we're all I don't know how many lateral flows I've done now. Uh, which is, but I mean, how does uh, this is related, but just coming off the back of that. Because for lots of your young people, I can't remember if we've discussed this or not before, but I know it must be, can all your young people do it? Do they find it quite difficult? Because that's a very intrusive thing. I know when our school, I was working with a young boy um, with autism and he really struggled and it wasn't putting it up his nose. It was putting it up his mouth. He just could not do it. And this was before that it was kind of more widely known. You could just put it up your nose. But how has that been for you in making sure that, you know, your staff are all safe and you feel safe and also all the young people are safe um, with the testing uh, and everything like that. Yeah, a, a huge challenge. One, primarily we, we've we not shut, as we've talked about before. Um, so we've stayed open. Um, we haven't been able to insist all our older ones test. Um, and, you know, obviously the difficulty is with PDA. Um, uh so pathological demand avoidance, putting a demand in place, which is you must do this test, um, causes um, a, an extreme amount of difficulties to start with. Um, so we have some students that have managed to. Um, others we have had, so we've had to take quite a cautious approach when they're unwell. We've said, you know, we'd like them to go home, please try and test them. 
Um, we have got um, a couple of pupils who um, will not allow us to take their temperature, will not allow a test, won't, you know, have extreme um, phobias and difficulties with anything medical. So for some of those students, we have had to sort of take the case of, okay, they got a cough, they're looking unwell, you're going to have to keep them at home for 10 days. And so we've just had to follow the isolation rule without having the test evidence um, and follow the symptom rule. But yeah, been incredibly difficult um, for us, along with, you know, just mask wearing. And at one stage we had the school bubbled. So for them to understand they couldn't go near some of the other students or staff um, on quite a small site was quite tricky too. So yeah, it's been a roller coaster. Like nothing else. And when 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 you sit and think that this time last year, um, we weren't lateral flowing in schools because I remember, um, it'll be a memory sticks with me that last year, New Year's, well, the beginning of this year, New Year's Day, I started the year with a senior leadership meeting on Zoom, um, discussing how we were going to bring in lateral flow testing in schools, as did most leadership teams across the country, um. And, you know, so this time last year, we hadn't really heard of lateral flow. It wasn't in. Um, and then it hit us January the 1st. So that shows the roller coaster of a year it's been. You know, and then we're waking up this morning now saying isolation could end in seven days with two lateral flow, which is just blowing my brain, especially as I've got a husband isolating currently in the lounge with COVID, which means he might get out of the lounge a little bit earlier. <laughs> you can free up your lounge again <laughs> i can see my christmas tree and i'll be controversial my tinsel which I yeah seen absolutely. for seven days <laughs> all about the tinsel uh, yeah. maybe, i mean now i'm gonna i'm gonna flip this now we're gonna go from one stream to the other because the next one i picked up um is strictly come dancing um oh. now i don't know have you been watching it at all or followed it at all uh suzanne i'm gonna ask you Nikki, I, well, I, I know you're very busy yeah no 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 i'm fine i'm all right for a bit um i absolutely love it i've been to see it live three years ago oh wow amazing um yeah love it and it's uh, yeah one of those it's Saturday nights when that comes on in my house. Everybody watches. Lots of discussion, debate. I love it. I love the way that we all like different people and support different people. But, yeah, I think it's been great. Um, and I think, you know, this year with the the diversity shown um, and the awareness given, especially that Rose and the deaf community mm. being a hearing aid wearer myself, um, it it's just been brilliant and I, I've really loved it and it is it's that Saturday night pickup as the winter nights are drawing in so I'm a big absolutely fan. um and Nikki I know uh what about you where do you stand on Strictly Come Dancing are you dusting off your ballroom gown and getting ready should we enter should you and me I think that would be disastrous but we should do it anyway <laughs> um <laughs> Um, no, I got kicked out of my ballet class when I was three because, and I quote, my teacher said, elephants don't dance, rude. Um, so, yeah, I know, I know. It's all right, I took up tennis, it was fine. Um, but I, <laughs> I think I've got my mum with me at the moment who's laughing at that story. Um, but actually, it's good that she's here because I've been watching Strictly with my mum whenever, um, on the rare occasion I can get home from uh, from the city. 
Um, and we watched the final the other day. And I think my uh, my uncle Frank in Spain as well was watching it. And we're all following and supporting uh, John and Rose. And I think they did amazingly well. That their, their dancers were beautiful and really moving. And, you know, I'm a crier anyway, James. But we had quite a few tears watching. I mean, particularly Rose's uh, dance with the music stops in the middle that was just in- incredible mm. and the choreography of all the dances and the storytelling in the last dances were really really magical I thought that was taking the show a step further than it's maybe been before not that I'm any expert but it, it felt really moving this year um, and yeah it was a pleasure to watch it Absolutely and I mean uh, best they're saying I'd vote for you both Nikki and James you've got at least one vote Nikki I mean let's make it happen we just well, become a little bit more famous and we'll, we'll see how it goes <laughs> Yeah exactly or, or one of us can become, or maybe we'll both just become professional dancers and we'll get on the show that way. That might be You easiest. could be the professional dancer and I will be the <laughs> the, the other person. <laughs> we'll get you famous. We'll get you there. That's it. No, no, no. I don't need to be famous. That's all good. <laughs> uh, amazing. I mean, right. Let's move on to another one. The next one I'm going to bring up is, um, oh, this is a good one. What is, has been your hardest moment of 2021 so what has been a moment standout moment for you your hardest moment of 2021 um sharon if you are there i'm gonna go to you and put you on the spot for this one if you are still there um what has been your hardest moment of 2021 oh um i don't know that's a really difficult thing because Mm. I am the person who loves the hardest moments. Mm. And I know that sounds ridiculous. I love a crisis. I love something difficult. So I can't think of anything that's beaten me, and I don't let things beat me. So um, I've actually thrived on finding a way through all the toughness. My hardest personal moment, I suppose, is when... Uh, the local shop runs out of Thornton's caramel shortcake bites. <laughs> they are good. Aren't they? Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I just need a little fix every now and again and dust myself off. But, yeah. Okay. I, I don't think this year for me has been any worse than any other year. The challenges are always there and I quite like a crisis to deal with. And I think that goes back to what um, we were talking about. Somebody mentioned earlier on the show about actually that the, we were talking about inspirational students when, you know, people rise up to a challenge. And although it's been tough, people have risen to that and actually, you know, developed from that. And I think that's very true what you're saying that actually for some people, it would have been a moment which they thrived. And I also echo you. I'm very sad when I go to the cupboard craving my Bourbon biscuits and there's no Bourbon biscuits there. And that is a pretty hard moment to get over because I have to settle for a custard cream or or even worse, a rich tea. And it's just, it's just not the same, Sharon, is it? No, that that's the sort of thing that helps you to survive. Um, and the other thing I do, I know I'm a naughty smoker and I always find that when when everything hits the fan, I walk off for 10 minutes, collect my thoughts and come back and the solution's with me. And I'm sure that could work for other people that don't do the dirty smoking thing. Is that that that's a big challenge? Either go and eat a bar of chocolate, mm-hmm. it's something that distracts you so that your brain gets time to rewire itself, and then you come back and you're ready to tackle whatever it is that was going to be a problem. 
Absolutely. Um, what about you then, Suzanne? Your hardest moment? I'm sure you've had a few with setting things up and getting things ready. Um, but for you, what has been the hardest moment? Oh, this is a tricky one. I've I've got it down to three at the moment. And it's whether I go a work one or a personal one. You're putting me on the spot here. Um, yeah, so I'd say there's three pivotable moments in the year. Um, I think on a personal level, the hardest one was waking my 14-year-old daughter up on her birthday morning and telling her the test result had just come through positive for COVID. Um oh. So that that was a significantly low point as a mother that you were then telling your child that you were really just going to throw her birthday presents at her from the door and, and all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a tough one. Um, but, yeah, and then a couple of work ones in between um, that made the year. Uh, one that I'll have some highlights. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I do genuinely think there'll be lots in about 10 years' time, or maybe less, there'll be all these published diaries of everybody. And I, I've, I've said this to a few head teachers, particularly, I think, you know, some senior initiatives need to kind of come together and write the diary, you know, the year in the life of an SLT and kind of actually the ups and downs or a year in life of the teacher and kind of people everyone collectively put forward. I think there's been some fantastic... Um, and interesting stories out there. But Nikki, what about you? What has been your hardest moment of 2021? Oof, there's been a few. Um, <laughs> I, I think um, uh, it's a work one, but it's also personal. I think, um, I, I mean, I never thought I'd find myself working in a hospital in a pandemic. <laughs> and uh, mm. and I'm really proud to be there. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, quite honestly, quite frankly. It's a privilege to be there with the patients that were working with the Medicine for the Elderly Wards. And there was one incident where I had to call upon um, our student team. And I was working when most of our dementia care team had been redeployed. In, and this was about February this year. And there was one gentleman who was admitted in a side room who tested positive for COVID. And we were in full PPE, which is an adventure in itself. And uh, his wife had passed away um, and he couldn't go to the funeral because he couldn't come out of the hospital and his family couldn't come in. So you can imagine what was going on for him. Um, and I had a team of students and a nurse asking, can we please do something? Because we need to connect them. He's not feeling great. He's very low mood. He's not eating or drinking. He's had enough what do we do? And I was like, okay, do we involve students in this or not? It's a big question for me um, because it's a really emotional, heightened experience, but it's the ultimate application of theatre. That's what we're there to do. And she asked for help. So I'd had a long chat and luckily she's also a mental health nurse. So we had a long chat with our student team and we came up with the idea of something as safe as we could there online on Zoom with us and doing a, a, they said, let's do a podcast. So we worked together to do a podcast with the patient and with his daughters and connected the two, which we shared back after much, much discussion on the day of the funeral. And we stayed with him and he wanted uh, his song played of their, their wedding dance. And we were dancing in full PPE with the students dancing on Zoom, um, toasting. And we got him some non-alcoholic beer and a pie that he requested. Um, and it was actually, if, if it can be, as positive a moment um, as, as I suppose was possible in that context. He wasn't on his own. We were with him. There was something about being with someone creatively in that moment. And the nurse read the eulogy and we all heard stories and funny stories that he wanted to tell about his wife. And we were able to be with him. And I think I don't think I'll ever, ever forget that moment. 
um, and how powerful that was and how brave and inspirational the students were, the nurse was, the consultants looking through the door staring at us like, what are you doing? Um, mm-hmm. But it was so important to be together. And it was the togetherness of the arts and what that can offer that made me go, wow, okay, this is much more powerful. I already knew it was powerful, but this was quite incredible. Um, And I'm really grateful that we were all together because I think we all needed each other. I needed the students. I think maybe they needed me. Um, We needed the patient. They needed us. So it was, you know, and we needed the nurse together. So it was this huge collaboration that ended up coming out of a moment that could have been, I mean, was already really, really upsetting and unfortunately a frequent thing happened, happens um and being with someone in that moment actually we we made that into a new project that we've rolled out for the rest of the year now to staff who wanted to connect as well as patients as a humanizing strategy and it came from that moment of grief and I think that that was the stand-up moment for me the most challenging but the bravest as well uh, fantastic and I echo the words that Sharon said there of how beautiful Nicola that was and I remember you telling me that story when it happened quite recently I think we were seeing each other very soon after and I know how much and that impacted the whole team but how incredible and that's just some of the incredible things that you and, and everybody's been doing up and down the country but particularly you Nikki and what you've been doing with the hospitals um it's some amazing amazing things um I'm gonna very briefly play uh, one more time the news for today um and before what what the words maybe speechless Nikki uh before I get to playing the news I'm just gonna pose to you your last question so you have about five minutes to prep it uh, and that question is going to be what is your proudest um proudest moment so we've done the kind of hardest moment but what is actually something this year that you're gonna go away do you know what go I achieved this in in 2021 or and it can be obviously uh, Sharon very asked the question but it might be a particular student or a particular patient or a particular moment or a particular staff member or whatever that created that moment but what is going to be your proudest moment of 2021 and that's going to close our show for us so stay tuned for that as we they will say to us are their proudest moments of 2021 and don't forget that you can listen back to this show all you need to do is go on ttradio.org Find the show, which will be uploaded very shortly at the end, or gone to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All good streaming services will have it. Before for now, here's your news. Then Little Wonder Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wonder Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The program offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewonderlettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. 
In Scotland, the SSTA union is calling for a delayed opening for schools after the Christmas holidays because of the Omicron variant. Seamus Searson, General Secretary of the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association, said, If the numbers keep going up, and it looks like that is going to be the case for some time to come, then we are not going to be in a fit state to reopen schools as normal in January. We're already hearing of schools that are not fully staffed and parents are keeping their kids off to ensure they don't catch COVID in the run-up to Christmas. The idea that we need to keep schools open at all costs just doesn't add up. Delaying the start of the new term would give teachers more time to prepare for mitigation measures. A Scottish Government spokesman said, the Scottish Government is not considering school closures. As the First Minister has made clear, protecting the education of children and young people remains a top priority. England, a teaching union, has warned of a perfect storm of Omicron-related absences, following Nadim Saawi's letter to school leaders urging them to encourage ex-teachers back to the classroom. General Secretary of the NASUWT, Dr Patrick Roach, said, Far more action is needed to improve the current market for supply teachers, which is nothing short of a national scandal. The government must address the delays with the DBS clearances and meet the costs of DBS certification so those teachers who do return to the profession are not left paying the bill. Dr Roach said that without guarantees from the government on teachers' pay and working conditions, the teaching supply crisis will continue for some time to come. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available, yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge. Let the battle commence. On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge, weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome, also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening reader view. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar. By typing read, followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also, you can simply press F9. Before you can open reader view in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to immersive reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that it's reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font, and text width on the screen. But they differ in background color features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers eight background slash contrast colors, four light and four dark, 
Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader, round four, editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point, Chrome Reader, round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point, Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of five, three or one line, blocking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score. Winning with four points to two after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, and you are listening to the Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with me, James Clark. And we're coming up to our final five-ish minutes. I mean, we're definitely going to go over half past this way. But we are coming to the end. And the final question to some of the amazing guests that I've had today. And that is their proudest moment of 2021. What would be yours? Let me know on the chat, on Twitter, at TT Radio 2021, hashtag TT Radio. Or let me know personally at JAMCLAR96. Shout out and a massive thank you to all of those who have been listening both today and across the 26 shows or 24 shows I've done uh, this year. Massive shout out to Martin Winwald who was also here today on the show. Someone already let me know, Liana, on their go saying, going through my first term teaching as an EC2, ECT, or EC2, ECT, NQT is their proudest moment. But let's start, please, at Sharon. What has been your proudest moment of 2021? Well, it's going to be something personal because obviously I, I mentioned earlier I've got hypermobile joints and my hip went. So I've managed to still go into work using both a wheelchair and crutches that was difficult because I'm dyspraxic as well as you can see I'm a little bit of a um, I've got all sorts of challenges yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I actually managed to go into work I've been supported I've had someone collect me from my car wheel me in in a wheelchair and then I've hobbled around on crutches and I've done that for a whole term so I'm at the moment I'm wa- wallowing with my leg up in my bed just resting it thinking wow you actually did that. And it also made me think some people have to do this all of the flipping time. Um, I've only done it for a couple of months. But, yeah, I'm pretty proud of myself. 
Yeah, and so you should be, Sharon. Well done. Um, and your next proud moment next year, hopefully, is going to be embracing some tinsel in your life. thank you very much sharon uh suzanne what about you what have been your proudest moment of 2021 well you know i'm not sure i can talk sharon hats off to you that sounds um incredibly challenging um i think my proudest moment uh keep changing as I do but it has to be um uh there was a, a pupil that I worked with so when I started at the school I was assistant ed um so I had my own class um for a period of time um and there was um uh, a teenage boy in the class who really struggled to trust adults trust um um those around him um, um we had some quite difficult challenging behaviors um and getting him to sort of settle and work, um, which we managed um, with an incredible team around me. Um, And um, so I think my proudest moment relates to him when we had Ofsted in, as we had the deep joys just before October half term. And um, he was able to sit with me in the room and talk to the Ofsted inspector about his experiences about school um, and what it meant to him. Um, and it was probably one of the most emotional moments um, also um, to see that happen um, for somebody that um, a young person who got to the point anybody entering the classroom would be um, met with quite a a wall of language um, um, as he um, was quite threatened by that to be able to sit in a room and talk through his experience was just magical. Amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that, Suzanne. And um, I go on to Nikki. Nikki, proudest moment of 2021. Uh, what would what would it be? James, since it's Christmas, can I have yes. two? Can I have two? Because I can't separate them. Oh, go oh please. On, Nikki. Go on. Go on. As oh, you. thanks. OK, thank you. I'll try and be a speedy. But I need your help with the second one because it's obviously connected to one of your brilliant students. But the first one, I think, is uh, we, for the first time, delivered a project in hospitals, training up BTEC performing arts students in Leicester College as facilitators in applied theatre to design workshops to go to our patients in an an acute dialysis ward um, who've been shielding for this whole time. Um, And they were going to facilitate workshops that celebrated their stories and then create performances that they could share back to the ward. And I know that they were super nervous at the start. And I also had a member of the dementia care team who's um, a healthcare support worker and a specialist in dementia. And she was working with me and she was very nervous about teaching when we started. Um, But she's also been taking over and teaching, facilitating. And I think the culmination of all of that, we went to present back um, at at the end to reflect on the process and just seeing that the amount of work and the strength and journey that everyone had been on, and it's not been easy, it's been challenging um, for everyone in lots of different ways. What they'd accomplished in the ward was really significant for the patients. Um, And also seeing my project um, co-lead, Vic, just um, going from strength to strength after those initial nerves of being really terrified to lead a class to actually standing in front and telling the class a life story about how she got into uh, dementia care and also why the arts are so important in her practice. I've just felt really proud of everybody, actually, in that moment. Um, it was just lovely to see it all come together and that we worked very hard with the teachers, Kirsty and Robin, as well, to make it happen um, completely remotely, which was really brilliant. 
Um, that's my mum sneezing. If you heard that in the background, and um, thanks, mum. And um, yeah, and then the second moment, um, I'm gonna have to ask you to help me co-tell it because I won't do it without crying. Um, so could you could you help me tell the story of when you video called the hospital with your brilliant, brilliant year ten student? Yeah, I mean, we were very, very lucky um, that I, you know, had the privilege to know lots of my guests very personally, particularly me and Nikki over the last, probably the last year or probably this year, worked very close on some projects. Um, and I'll try not to get too emotional. But yeah, there was a very young boy, um, year nine boy at the time, um, who, you know, a couple of years ago was facing some very difficult challenges um, involving gangs and crime related things. And could have gone one way in life, um, but has really changed things and really come around. And I feel very privileged to have been his form tutor for the last few years. And we're getting there, and we we're working on this drama project with Nikki and the NHS staff on the um, Dallas wards, where we were screening in our young people from this classroom, and they were having a patient each, or as they called them, my patient. They were having a patient each, which they got to speak to um, every week or every couple of weeks and they would share their stories and then they took their stories and created performances from them so they created brand new scripts and plays um, from the stories that these uh, young people were sharing and sorry that the the, the patients and diocese will be sharing and there was a fight that kicked off outside school as you know sometimes happens with school and this young person was very very wild very very angry um, you know gets on well with me but was you know letting out their emotions with me and sort of talking through it and I said look you've got this drama project now you know you've got drama with me you can stay with me today but are you right to go into that space because you have to remember that this is a young this is an adult that's in hospital and if you go in there angry um, and frustrated that's gonna perhaps trigger them to also feel the same and he has he said he wanted to go in and he went in and it was a like a light switch he said um Salam alaikum, which means a sort of hello in Arabic. And straight away, their patient replied. And in that moment, he just switched. He, he went from being angry and frustrated to being a, a young man who cared so much um, about the project and cared so much about the patient and created a connection despite the fact it was only through uh, a Zoom screen. You know, and I'm so proud of that, that boy who, when we had a video call that sort of summarise the project and his words you know I keep telling him have now been used in conferences up across the world um he had he said when I started this project I didn't see the point in it but now I really get it and he is a, a massive inspiration and now this is a young person that you know thanks to you Nikki as well when this project now has aspirations to go and do theatre or drama or something he thinks he's you know in his words he's going to make it out of the hood um, is what he says to me and, and I feel very very proud that we were able to create that moment for him there um, and I should also say at this moment Nikki as we're, we're sharing Poe's stories there before we come to the end of the show congratulations to to you um, you got a nomination for the Drama and Music Education Awards as Drama Inspiration Award um, and also the project that I've just spoken about is also up um, for an award as part of the Drama and Music Education Awards um, as well, which which is super exciting. And we find out that, I think, in, in March time. So congratulations, Nikki, on that. Thank you. Congratulations to you being part of it. And thank you for working with us and taking the risk. 
Um, I know it wasn't an easy risk and it was a challenge for us. And we had our brilliant second years as well from Central working to support the project. I think Beth's on the call with us at the moment, uh, who's part of that project. Um, and we're really grateful. And it was a brilliant moment when you, you called with the student to tell him the news. Um, I don't think mm. any of us are going to forget that. And we'd had a tough day in the hospital that day. And it just, uh, I think all of us ended up in positive tears um, at, <laughs> at, his, at his words and what, what he said it meant to him and what he means to us as well uh, as an inspiration the other way around. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and, you know, we called up to, to let him know and I did it live with, with the hospital staff and, and said to him, look, we've been nominated for this award. And he was ecstatic. He, could, he couldn't speak. He was so happy. He had tears. I had tears. Uh, we went around I me. Mean, this is the boy that does not cry as well. But we, you know, we went around the school telling the head of year and everyone. And he was just felt happy and, and he couldn't believe that somebody wanted to hear his words um, was what it boiled down to. And he couldn't believe it. Um, and yeah, and, and we now have this nomination, which we're very excited about. And I'm also in the same category for you, Nikki, for the, the Drama Inspiration Award, as well as some other people that worked on the project, which, which is absolutely amazing. And just to kind of finish up the show here, lots of people sharing their proudest moments of 2021. Um, Beth saying, I think the proudest moment uh, was a combination for me, was proudest uh, moment to work with people in a care home, providing arts activities for them, and also the work I did the past term with Nicola and a team, amazing. Uh, Jess saying, good morning all, a more general proudest moment for me, but I moved across to Belgium and into the European school system. It's an EU school. I was so proud to get my thir year 13s through the English course and prepped for a university in a very different system um, from A-level. So absolutely amazing. Uh, very kind of you, Nikki, to say that as well. But um, thank you to everybody. Uh, thank you to all my guests. Um, and I'm very quickly going to run through them all again so thank you martin who's here at the start of the show sharon who's been here throughout the show um but i'll just go to suzanne first um suzanne if people want to reach out to you um where can they find you what's your kind of um twitter handle and then also over to nikki for that so um you first please suzanne hi yeah um, my twitter handle's connected to scout so it's a bit random although i know my name looks odd here um is um at dcc diversity um is my twitter handle or um eagle house school bramley is you'll find my email address and information on there do you know what suzanne i think i might just start calling you ss8f96 yeah <laughs> i have spent name. all of this show trying to change my name and for some reason it won't allow me saying i haven't verified my email when i have so um <laughs> i apologize and yeah this is my new identity Absolutely. Uh, and Nikki, what about yourself? Oh. Um, so my, uh, can you hear me all right? Yes, I muted you and then you muted it. <laughs> I clicked it oh, as well. Thanks, James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to reach me on my Twitter's at Dr. Nikki A, or if you want to email, you're very welcome. It's nicola.abraham at cssd.ac.uk. Thank you for having me on the show again, James. Of course. And thank you to all my guests over the course of the last um, year. Or And I have now worked out, I've done 25 shows. This is show number 25. Uh, and then from January, it's show sort of number 26. And I'm really excited to stay. Uh, hopefully another few 25, who knows, another 20 odd shows with Teacher Talk Radio. But remember, if you want to get involved, we are always looking for guests on the show. And of course, our new host to come and join the show. So do look on ttradio.org to find out more information about that. And do make sure you are following us on Twitter for all the latest updates, which is at 
ATT Radio 2021. Now, this is a show you definitely want to listen back to when I've uploaded it very shortly, because we have discussed everything from uh, Brussels sprouts to inspirational students to tinsel to strictly come dancing to everything in between so catch up on all those shows by going to ttradio.org or indeed finding it on the twitter at ttradio2021 or looking on spotify or apple podcast search teachers talk radio and you will find all the shows there uh, which leaves me with my final few things to say and that is that there are shows happening throughout today today is our last day um, not forever, but just for a Christmas break. But there is a very, very special show um, happening later on before the end of the year. So keep your eyes peeled for that on our Twitter. Massive, massive thank you to everybody, all my listeners um, over the last 25 shows, all my amazing guests and everybody at Teachers Talk Radio for giving me this incredible opportunity to sit and rant with you all on a Wednesday uh, morning. I can't believe it's been uh, that long. <laughs> but I've loved every moment of it. I hope you have a fantastic uh, Christmas if you are celebrating Christmas or festive break or just a break and a chance to relax all those teachers and education workers out there. And I also hope you have a fantastic new year. Who knows what it will bring? Who knows what will happen? But let's just take each day as it comes and ride the, uh, in the words, Suzanne, ride the roller coaster that I think um, education and the world is at the moment. But look after yourselves, take care and have a fantastic day, whatever it is you're getting up to today. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.